As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. From social distance to collective euphoria. It's bananas, man. The Milwaukee Bucks run to the NBA Finals has electrified Cream City. This means the world for Milwaukee. But the Bucks aren't the only ones winning. The amount of people here right now is greater than our 2019 numbers, which is so encouraging. The impact businesses are feeling. From the Bucks playoff run. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by a special guest on the podcast today during a pretty special time in the city of Milwaukee. We have Peggy Williams-Smith with Visit Milwaukee here on Open Record. Peggy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And it really is uh, obviously a very exciting time in the city with the NBA Finals coming to Milwaukee. But I want to start with just finding a little bit more about you and about Visit Milwaukee. Tell me a little about about your background and, and, and what Visit Milwaukee is all about. Sure. My name is Peggy Williams-Smith, and I've been with Visit Milwaukee for a little over a year and a half. But I started my career with Marcus Hotels and Resorts 22 years ago um, in hotels. And um, I did a various number of things throughout my career with Marcus, everything from caterings to conventions to vice president of food and beverage to opening um, a brand new safe house restaurant in Chicago. So I've done quite a few things throughout my career. Visit Milwaukee is a community asset that creates economic impact through travel and tourism. Our job is to market, brand, and sell the city for leisure, and meeting and conventions guests. So my job is incredibly exciting, incredibly fun. Milwaukee is an incredibly dynamic place to be able to market to the world. And my team is steadfast and the most knowledgeable people you could ever meet when it comes to knowing what there is to do in the city of Milwaukee. What timing though, a year and a half ago, you come into this position having no idea we're about to be faced with a pandemic. Uh, I, I imagine that really changed what you expected the job was going to look like. Uh, all of a sudden you were faced with, uh, as everyone has been, huge challenges. What was that like to, to come into this role and then immediately have a pandemic in front of us? You know, I was coming into what they were calling the year of Milwaukee 2020. We had just received all of this great press about how Milwaukee was up and coming. We were hosting the Democratic National Convention in addition to hosting some conventions that hadn't been here in a while, bringing back the USA Triathlon, the Ryder Cup was slated to happen in September. So it was really an exciting time leading up to March 13th. Um, My job was gonna be to capitalize on all of the good things that Visit Milwaukee had done leading up to this point. And then starting on March 17th, we quickly pivoted and how could we be a resource and help 
those businesses that have supported travel and tourism since you know the inception. Visit Milwaukee is the second oldest CVB, Convention and Visitors Bureau, or destination marketing organization in the country behind Door County. So, you know, um, my job is to make sure that it continues beyond my time at the helm of Visit Milwaukee. And um, it was it was certainly an exciting time. Um, during the time that we pivoted, we helped make connections with our city officials to help house homeless people, to make sure that the most vulnerable were protected during the pandemic. We helped organize blood drives. We did social media events that were designed to help our restaurant partners. And then we did hotel promotions that were designed to help our hotels once we were able to open up a little bit. And, you know, it's given me time to really learn just how great the city is, something I always knew having been born and raised here, but really seeing how the city came together during this difficult time, the public-private relationships that were formed to make sure that we were doing everything we could to be as safe as possible, and then how could we reopen safely before our restaurants ran out of time. And I, I think that that's something unique after having been open for a while and being able to go to a few conventions with my peers across the country, we really did a good job of making sure that we were talking to the health department, that we were working with them to have a plan so that when we could reopen, we could do it safely and making sure that we were involved in those conversations really helped our sales team be able to convey trust to meeting planners when they were ready to start booking groups again. In spite of all of those efforts, obviously, there were certain impacts that were just inevitable with the pandemic. Can you talk about how much that affected tourism, how much that affected the kinds of revenues that are generated from tourism, the jobs, things like that? Obviously, 2019 had been a banner year, and then 2020 was going to be even better, and it went the other way. Yeah, I mean, our annual report is coming out later this week, and it just shows the actual devastation created from the pandemic. When you look at what our organization through travel and tourism does, the, the decrease was staggering. Our, our specific revenues, and we are funded through the Wisconsin Center District based on hotel room tax collected, dropped by nearly 50% year over year. Um, the amount of jobs lost, the businesses that closed and didn't reopen. I don't think that there's any way to, to clearly measure because there's not one organization that looks at all of those things together. But we know that the economic devastation is something that we didn't see in 2008. We didn't see in, in 2001. Not in my lifetime going through some pretty big recessions have we ever seen this type of, of economic devastation in our industry. So with all of that in mind, and, and for the city of Milwaukee, when it comes to visitors coming to town in the summer, obviously one of the big kickstarts is Summerfest, which still isn't there this year until September. So there wasn't that June thing that brought everybody downtown. The festivals are going to start you know, ramping up as time goes on. But without that, how big of a deal is this Bucks playoff run? Suddenly there are throngs of thousands coming to downtown Milwaukee and I imagine it's not just the Deer District that sees them. There's spillover from that. How big of a deal is this in kickstarting the downtown economy in particular? It's absolutely incredible. 
I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, you know, um, those who can't see, cause this is a podcast are going to see there's tears in my eyes. This is our DNC moment. This is what was taken from us in 2020. The world media is on us right now. And that's something that we didn't anticipate this year. So, you know, when we look at the economic impact that a playoff game provides, we can look back to 2018 and we say it's $3 million in economic impact. We haven't been in a finals since 1974. There was no Deer District. The Bucks were playing at the Mecca Arena at that point. Um, this is, you know, who would have guessed that we would have 25,000 people for an away game in the Deer District, another 10,000 in the arena watching the game. We don't even have the ability at this point to calculate that economic impact. We know people are coming here, not just from all over the city, from all over the state. We know that guest rooms are being sold. Um, you know, obviously we're gonna look at all of this and make sure that we do get those economic impact numbers, but this is something that is completely new to us. And I could not be more thankful for the Bucks organization and the commitment they made to Milwaukee, the commitment Giannis made to Milwaukee. It's the whole Bucks organization, the Bucks team, as well as all of their, you know, every decision they've made has been to in the interest of putting a spotlight in Milwaukee and it's paying off this year and it couldn't be come in a better year. Well, we could talk about dollars and cents and we could talk numbers, but you know, that moment ago when you said, you know, if people could see there were tears in your eyes, I, I wonder what it's like for you. Your job is in many ways to sell the city of Milwaukee. And that means getting people an impression of a place. What is it like for you when you're watching these games and you see them flash to the deer district? Oh my goodness. It is absolutely. I've never felt anything like it before because I've always loved Milwaukee. I would have gotten a, I would have swelled with pride had I been in my previous job, but being the person whose job it is to brand and market the city, there is nothing that shows our diversity, our rich cultural history, everything, you know, our entire city lights up green, but everyone is coming together in this moment and it is beyond spectacular. Obviously, our job is to capitalize on this, just like we were going to. We've had several meetings with the Bucks on how we can make sure that we're doing everything we can to capitalize on this once in a lifetime. Well, hopefully not once in a lifetime moment. Hopefully this will happen again next year. But um, we, you know, we've quickly scrambled to look at how we can, uh, we've run some commercials in some markets. To give you an example, to run a national commercial during even just the Eastern Conference playoffs, was $290,000. But what we did was we looked at some different regional drive markets and we could, for a much more affordable amount of money, much more affordable amount of money, like $40,000, we ran the commercials that we had originally um, made for DNC um, that we hoped would air during the Democratic National Convention, but because it wasn't actually held here, we never got that opportunity. So we ran them in cities like Minneapolis, in the state of Indiana, and we've seen people saying, oh my God, it's awesome. So we've been able to repurpose those to tell people what a great city Milwaukee is to visit. So if you're watching the Bucks game, you know we're a sports town, you know we love our sports, you know we love that we're a city of festivals, come visit us sometime. And we hope that'll carry through. We know Summerfest didn't happen this year in June and July, but we've got all of September every single weekend to be able to do that. We've got State Fair that's coming up. So we have a lot that's still going on. Irish Fest is still happening. Harley Davidson 
is hosting their hometown rally the first weekend in September over Labor Day. It's always happened. It was a dealer um, driven event, but now Harley is getting behind it. So we know we're going to see some um, increased revenue during that time frame as well with all of the guests that will come in for that to visit the home of Harley. In part of this run toward the NBA Finals, there was a moment when it became apparent to those who follow basketball that the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks were likely to be uh, the two teams that would make the finals. And um, a prominent show that I'm sure you're now more than well aware of, ESPN's first take, uh, made some comments off the cuff about how they didn't really feel like traveling to the NBA Finals this year because it was just going to be in terrible cities. And the terrible city thing really took off. There was a lot of response to that, um, especially from people who know that Milwaukee in, in the summertime in particular is anything but a terrible city. It's one of the best cities to be in with so much to do. For you, what was it like to hear national public figures like that making a comment about Milwaukee like that and then to see the response it's gotten? Well, Milwaukee is not typically braggadocious about all we have to offer. We tend to, as citizens, focus on the things that we sometimes don't get right. But when someone comes at us, our response is fierce and quick. I don't know if you remember the same thing happened with Stephen Colbert during the DNC, in which on his show, his late night show, he did a tour of Milwaukee, which also received the same quick backlash. And he eventually apologized on air to Milwaukee um, but, you know, we reached out. I would love to host anyone from that show and show them everything the city has to offer. I know that Stephen A. Smith came back and said that it had more to do with the weather. I don't know if you know what our average temperature is in the month of January, but it's 32 degrees, not even just barely freezing at this point. So when I look at and, and again, you know, people enjoy cold weather. People enjoy it. There are things to do here 12 months out of the year. And there's no better place to be in the summer because it's not going to be oppressively hot as it is in other places. Well, that was sort of the absurdity of his explanation that it was about the cold weather because the NBA finals are in July when it's absolutely spectacular in Milwaukee. Right, right. You know, I just think that people have to realize that Actually, you know, a reporter who I was talking to gave me a story. In 1957, when the Milwaukee Braves were headed towards the World Series, the press came out and said that Milwaukee was a Bush League city. And the city had the same backlash. They started putting signs up in their bars and their restaurants. Bush League city wins World Series. Like they just, you know, we are a city that embraces who and what we are and we're fantastic. We have 1,400 acres of beachfront. We have 150 state and county parks. We're within an hour's drive of 75 world-class golf courses. We have 17 museums in Milwaukee. We have amazing arts, more arts than you would see in any other, our city, any other city of our size per capita. We're home to 12 major colleges and universities. We're the city of festivals, home to the world's largest outdoor music festival, Summerfest, and our state fair is constantly ranked one of the top in the country. And we're one of the only cities that has week after week of ethnic festivals, all located on 75 acres of prime lakefront country. We welcome everyone. We're bold, we're modern, and we're innovative. 
So when you look at everything that Milwaukee has to offer to limit us to what our weather is about is, is kind of ridiculous. Just like you said, it's ridiculous. You, you list all those things off. And I think to anyone who has lived in Milwaukee or spent time here, they go, yeah, no kidding. We know these things, but you often hear people who maybe come from somewhere else and visit Milwaukee, literally in the summer, especially, and they come to a festival or they see the lakefront or they see what the city has to offer. They try the brats and the beer, they go to a beer garden and they go, wow, I had no idea. Milwaukee was this much fun. Your job, obviously, is to make sure that people have that idea. And I just wonder, at a time like this, when people are watching Milwaukee because of this NBA Finals run, how much does that do to help you sort of let people know, get let the secret out, Milwaukee's a great place? It is extremely helpful. Obviously, there's nothing better than having someone come to Milwaukee, fly in over the lake, and... Honestly, educated people are like, I didn't realize you were on a coast. Well, we are. We're on the fresh coast. It's a lake. It's not the ocean. But people, you know, being able to see the skyline, see the Deer District, see that downtown is activated as well as the neighborhoods because it goes beyond just what's happening downtown. Everyone's having watch parties. Um, it is, like I said, it's, our, it's, it's the lost moment we had with the DNC. We were hoping to have... 50,000 people here, including a lot of press, and we're getting a lot of press here that are here to cover our our um, our home games and away games are receiving just as much coverage, showing drone footage of Milwaukee, seeing what it looks like at night, seeing our amazing hotel community, the what has been built in the Deer District, having a specific entertainment district that supports one of our sports teams, you know, and we also, I mean, heck this weekend, the Brewers were going in. We almost got George Webb's free burgers this weekend too. 11 games in a row. We are a sports town. And, and for that, that helps with tourism immensely. Is there a way, can, can, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times, obviously DNC was expected to be such a game changer for Milwaukee. And then we lost that impact because of the pandemic. Does this run make up for that? Yes, I, I feel it's a different, it, it's different. It's not the same because it would be a different audience. Um, obviously, there, you know, there's still international eyes on us. A lot of that has to do with Giannis and the worldwide impact he makes. So there are people who aren't sports fans who may still be watching these games. Um, but it certainly helps to make up for what we lost last year. A hundred percent. Before we go on to our off the record segment, can you, I did say this is about feeling and impressions, but there is obviously a, an economic impact. Can you measure how big the impact is of these games and of the crowds at the Deer District and what it's doing for the city and, and, and the whole area? Well, I speak to our restaurant partners pretty regularly, and we just had a call this morning, and the impact it's having is immeasurable. This is, they've gone from nothing to Mach 180. Obviously, across the country, there's still um, big issues with staffing, so I don't know that we're able to capitalize quite as much as we'd love to, based on the fact that it's sometimes hard to get staff. But um, when you look at numbers, Cleveland used the number $3.7 million of economic impact for each home game during the finals. We, we used the number $3 million during the semi-conference finals. 
So we're using 3.7 now, but like I said, that's something that we're going to measure. We do um, subscribe to something that will help us after, after we've seen it to see exactly what that impact is. And then we also have to look at the impact of away games because I don't think that's something that we've ever measured in the past because we are obviously we're looking for room nights and everything else to come into that number. So we'll look at that and, and hopefully have that number um, once the playoffs are over. Well, it, it, one thing is is safe to say, I guess, Peggy, is uh, the Bucks have had a dramatic impact on the city of Milwaukee this year. They have. It is so exciting. Well, that's as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, have a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. And as always, here to ask us that question is executive producer Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi, guys. How exciting to have like someone outside Fox 6 join us for our off the record. So, Peggy, you're making history today. That's so exciting. (laughs) So History in the making. See, it's a pattern. Ooh. Today's question has to do with things that you might watch. Um, I need you to finish this sentence. I have seen every episode of, and then fill in the blank. I'll go first. I actually, I had to think about it a little bit, but I can say with uh, about 99.8% certainty that I have seen every episode of the show Saved by the Bell. It was like such a staple. Recently or just a long time ago? No, not recently, but if, you know, every once in a while, they'll have a, uh, a marathon on. And I'm like, oh, that's the one where Stacy, you know, they're at the beach house and they work, uh, you know. So um, it was just such a great show. Having lived for 15 years, 14 years in Port Washington before I I moved uh, to Mequon a couple of years ago, um, you know, I was neighbors with uh, Saved by the Bell uh, legend uh, Screech. So um, for, for many, many years. Wisconsin connection, but uh, up until that uh, terrifying incident at uh, at the tavern. But anyway, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll I, and I was too young, like when you know they were in high school. So I mean, I was kind of like upper grade school, kind of middle school. So it kind of like was, ooh, if that is that what high school's like? High school was nothing like that, um, but it was still wonderful. So that's the show I think I've seen every episode of. So Peggy, what uh, what about you? Well, I've seen every episode of a lot of shows. <laughs> A lot. But of course, I grew up before there was DVRs and you had to watch it um, uh, every week. So I would say Friends. I've seen absolutely every episode of Friends. Um, It was the defining show of my generation. And I just watched the reunion with some girlfriends and cried throughout the entire thing. (laughs) So that's wonderful. So, you know, Friends was, you talk about it being a generational thing. I remember watching those live when they were new, and I probably have seen every one of those as well. But but around that same time, I feel like for so many, and because of syndication ever since, Seinfeld. I, there, I don't know that there's an episode of Seinfeld I haven't seen three times um, because it's run so often. And, and it would always be, you know, right after the newscast or something. And so I would, you know, Working in news, of course, you just stop and watch Seinfeld uh, before you go home. So I've seen so many of those, and I feel like that's one that, oddly enough, I can go back to again and again. If it's it's easy watching, I can be doing other things, and, and it's like, you know what, put Seinfeld on in the background, and it's just like an old friend is there. 
Don't you think, too, like, I feel like Friends and Seinfeld, there's so many, like, one-liners and references that, like, when you make them, um, that people are like, oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Or, you know, and I always just loved how um, Friends titled their episodes. You know, it was always the one where, the one when, it just, it's so, that's how you explain it. Like, oh, have you seen the Friends? The one where so-and-so does something. It just, I mean... It was when just well done. When Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks came back after his injury and tried to play in, in game six, um, and he started throwing up wild three-pointers from everywhere, I said, he's a chucker. He's a chucker. <laughs> That's all he is. He's a chucker. Seinfeld reference that goes away. I, I'm, I quote all the time. It drives my wife crazy. My husband records, so he DVRs four shows. He DVRs The Office, so I've seen every episode of The Office. Oh, of course. This is what we fall asleep to. Two and a half men. So I've seen every episode of Two and a Half Men. So we just added Schitt's Creek to our list. So I've seen every episode of Schitt's Creek as well. So those are a little newer to me. So that's what I fall asleep to now. Yeah, that was, a, that was a great show. Yeah, never a Friends fan. So I, I, he, I've never been able to get him into Friends. So that's on my own. I was just, I was, one more thing, sorry. So Peggy, when you were first, you first said like, oh, before DVR and stuff, my kids, they'll, they'll sit down to watch a show and they don't watch a whole lot of live television just because of all the, you know, different apps and stuff like that. But man, when my kids have to sit through a commercial, they're like, where's the show? Why do we have to sit here through this? I was like, I, I honestly pull the old back in my day. I used to have to sit and watch all 32 minutes of the show. Ugh. So they don't even know how good they have it. My kids are being exposed to that again because we have the cheap version of Hulu. So, you know, you end up having to watch the commercials. I'm like, how, what is it? What are these two minute breaks again? I'm so used is to it, it just going right on. Is it Fulu or what? Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I just, one day I'll have to just pony up for the, for the, uh, yeah. uh, the premium. But anyway, Peggy, so it was great having you on. And you really did break ground here today because we, this is the first outside guest we've had on Open Record, a uh, two-year-old podcast. And it was about time we went outside and we, we really appreciate you uh, making history with us. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate making history. And uh, if you have a question, by the way, for our off the record segment or want to suggest a topic we should discuss or an issue you think we should investigate on Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. So we want to thank Peggy, of course, thank Sarah for coming on to ask us the question again. And as always, thank you to the others who make this podcast possible from producer Pete to Dave Machuda and Suzanne Barthel. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.